I'm, uh, I'm actually really glad that um, my mom used the phrase that I was anointed. Um, and and here's, here's why. Uh, I was actually sitting down there, and it was, it was already part of my morning uh, shtick uh, to talk about this. So it was, it was perfect timing. I was recently um, at a conference, and uh, the pastor got up and said something um, that, that was interesting. He said, um, as soon as the New Testament came along... Uh, there was no one person that was anointed anymore. The, and being anointed isn't uh, this isolated thing. Um, what happened was Christ issued, uh, ushered in the body of Christ. And anointing happens when we function together as a body. The body is anointed, amen? And that's the beautiful thought. And uh, it was funny, I was, I was, the reason why I was going to bring that up is I was sitting down here, um, I mean, God's doing some cool things in my personal life. God's revealing some things to me and, and stretching my faith um, in some really unique ways, teaching me about faith, uh, actually, right now. And I was sitting down there worshiping, and who knew, I didn't, who knew Drew was so anointed by God to sing? Did, that, did you guys, does he sing here regularly? Yeah. Holy cow! I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's really not about Drew, right? It's, it's about, but I was sitting there and I, I started bawling. I was like, I'm crying my eyes off. I was, just got ministered to so heavy um, by the gifts that God has given him. And, uh, and I started crying, which is not crazy. I mean, it's kind of a, it's, it's Sunday, you know, it's Monday. You're crying. Um, <laughs> But I was like, man, God, thank you for the body of Christ. Uh, thank you for uh, Drew and that, that he is leading uh, this song. And that I'm, I'm just because you father us so well. Does anybody here need to be fathered? Is, it, is, is, it, is it anybody here? Sometimes I think we, we have such a gap between our, the intellectual side of our faith and honestly the human need that we have to be fathered by God. I don't know about you, but um, I don't always feel capable and all together. I don't always feel strong. I mean, like I, I, I'm pretty flamboyant and charismatic and opinionated and everything else. Um, uh, but inside, I'm, you know, come on, who really knows anything? And I was listening to that song and I was like, man, God, you're such a dad. You just know exactly what we need when we need it. I don't know. It's just like, God, thank you for the body of Christ and that the body's anointed. And that today I can come here and, okay, I got my talk and got to make sure I run all over stage. Nobody laughs and people like, no, I don't. Like, we're an anointed body. You know, and I come here and get ministered to. And guys, we need God's word to minister to us. Like, we need to be the body of Christ that comes together and says, oh, this is this great, great moment. There's a wonderful gentleman here that has asked me to just kind of lean in a little bit on um, something he's doing. And he's reached out to me a bunch, and I ignored him a bunch. Does anybody ever do that? Um, and I saw him sitting there, and I was like, oh, crap, there he is. Did you get anybody? And then I thought, you know, he's a good dude. He's not going to judge me. Uh, and he came over to me. He's like, hey, I just I saw you here, and... I know you've ignored me, and I just don't want Satan to have any, any foothold in your message today. I just want you to know we are good, and I can't wait to hear from you. That's the body of Christ, right? 
And I was sitting there this morning, and I'm like, oh, you know, Drew sounded like an episode of Glee up here. You know, I'm like, look at this guy. You know? And then a gentleman coming up and saying, hey, I know that you've ignored me, and, but don't let Satan get in the way. God's got a word for us today. And that's the body of Christ. This is not about Phil and Tammy. This is not about some successful gangster. <laughs> it's not, though. I mean, God uses those things to get us off our butts. Amen? Amen. Right? Sometimes it's ridiculous. We actually need to bring a successful gangster in here to invite a friend to church. Good Lord. <laughs> right? I guess we should invite someone. A successful gangster's coming. Like, well, I guess you should invite somebody. They might go to hell. I mean, option B, you know. We need the family. You need to play your role. You're anointed. You're an anointed part of this body. You're not an attender. You're not somebody that just shows up and gives money. You're an anointed part of this body that plays a role to advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, we got to make up some time because I got into all that. And now we got to get into the word. You ready to get in the word a little bit today? All right, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to be plugged into the body today. I've already been ministered to two times over today already. I feel like I don't even, I just feel like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm good. The Lord's ministered to me. You guys figure it out on your own. Go plug into somebody else here. Uh, I just got ministered to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to head on out. I want to talk today. This is so great. God is so timely. I want to talk today about isolation. Um, I, I believe that isolation is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. And it's a scary tool. And it's a tool. We are so much more familiar with isolation than we are codependence. We are so unfamiliar with how to actually be vulnerable and honest and share. And so this is the greatest thing the enemy does. The greatest thing the enemy does, he says, I'm going to drive you into isolation and addiction, and, and I'm going to use it to make sure that you're cut off from something that's anointed. The body of Christ is anointed. It's anointed to stand up and sing and bring us to tears because we get to hear about our dad. <laughs> It's anointed because when we've not been great to somebody relationally, that anointed body can come up and say, I forgive you, go minister. But, but the enemy knows if he, can, if he can separate us from the body of Christ, then we don't get to get ministered to you like that. What a great, great tactic to isolate us. So I want to talk about today, because isolation is a story. It's your story and it's mine and it's, it's one of frustration and, and it is isolated and loneliness. Ultimately, we hope that in our midst of isolation, there's always this little thing inside of us that says, God, bail me out. God, bail me out of this. We isolate from our spouse and friends with our financial issues, our addiction issues, the thoughts that go in our heads that nobody knows but us, right? We live in this space. And deep down, we say, God, someday pull us out. So I want to talk about isolation and addiction today because I believe it's one of the greatest ploys of the enemy. And I want to do it through story because it's story, right? Like your story of isolation and my story of isolation, it's a story. It goes like this. I woke up. I deceived. I hid. I said everything's great when everything wasn't great. I said I really believe things are going to be fine when I really didn't believe it. I said I've got all these things in order when I really didn't. It's your story. You said I'm confident and I'm proud of who I am when you really weren't. It's your story. So I want to talk about this through story today. 
So I thought I'd do it through the book of Jonah. Remember Jonah? Sometimes these great Bible stories, we stop hearing after sixth grade, right? Like when you can't put it on a felt board anymore, we don't preach about it anymore. And so I thought, well, hey, let's, let's talk about Jonah. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Jonah. And I want to talk to you today about isolation because there's not a person in this room, there's not a person in this room that doesn't isolate. There's not a person in this room that doesn't isolate. And when you isolate, you miss out on anointing. I'm no more anointed than you are. Drew's no more anointed than you are. John's no more anointed. No one's more anointed than anybody else. The body of Christ is anointed. Amen? We've got to plug into that. All right, so here's how the story goes. Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of that guy, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. You know, my daddy's got all this stuff down. I just say, that guy, that place, that thing. And then he says it, and you don't even know if it's right. You're like, oh, that was good. How do you know? I could have said anything, and you would have been like, nailed it. You don't know. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of that guy, saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up against me. But, everybody say but. This is how isolation starts. But God, but God, this is how it starts. God says, I want you to do something different than what you're doing. And we say, but God, but God, that's what we say. But God, I don't want to do that. But God, just a little bit longer. But God, let me just try. But God, I think I can figure this out. But God, you don't understand. And God says, I want you to do something different than what you're doing. And the start of isolation and cutting yourself off from the anointed body of Christ starts with this every single time. But God, I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and they've nailed it. But Dad, and I know it's only going to get worse. Kids, right? But dad, but hey, you're not going to do that. But, 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 but. And what we're saying is, I know better than you. And every single time we say, but God, I wish there was like this trigger that could go off in us. That as soon as the words came out of our mouth, but God, the sensor could go off to go, you are absolutely, you've just repointed your ship to a place that ultimately will cut you off from the anointing power of God in the body of Christ. But God... This is how it starts every time. See, we think it starts like this. It's marijuana. It's that gateway drug. It's pornography that leads to affairs. That's not where it starts. No, no, we're several steps down the road when we get to that stuff. It's I am mean, it's talking. No, 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 no. It's this, but God. Every time it's right here, but God. It's so far, uh, it's so much faster and sooner than you ever realize. So God says, Jonah, I want you to do something different than what you're doing. Evil has come up against me, but, but. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go into Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. It really is this simple. Evil comes up against God and challenges truth every single time. God says purity, evil says perversion. God says kindness, evil says cruelty. God says love, evil says hate. Self-hate is one of the greatest ones. God says grace, evil says condemned. 
This is what evil does. It confronts God. It comes up against the opposite of God. God says, I want you to do something different because evil has come up against me. But look what the Bible says. It says that Jonah rose to flee. And watch this. He paid the fare. He paid the price to go away from the presence of God. That's heavy. Because we do it every time. We pay the price to isolate ourselves from God. God says, don't do that. We go, but God, let me just try. Let me pay the price to isolate myself from you. This is what happens. It actually costs us something to separate ourselves from God. But so often we're so convinced and that but God is so strong that we just go, God, just for a moment, just for a little bit of time, let me pay the price to isolate myself from you. But God, the price of the but God is isolation. You actually pay a price to isolate yourself from God. And then we enter into this crazy world of sin, addiction, isolation. And here's the thing. Here's why I want to talk about this. As a Christian society, this drives me up the wall. Can I, can I have permission to speak freely? If not, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> See you in a month. Um, don't you hate in our little subculture that we're like, sex that's all and I'm like overeating gossip insecurity liar haughtiness it's all the same well I mean it's a little bit but you know I didn't you didn't what you rose up against God period you gossiped and rose up against God You glutton and you rose up against God. You were spiritually self-righteous and haughty and you rose up against God. You had an affair and you rose up against God. You had drugs and you rose up against God. And the problem is in our subculture, we've done this masterful job. If as long as it's not one of the big five, this doesn't apply to us. What a brilliant plan of the enemy. Some of you are addicted to gossip and addicted to self-righteousness, and addicted to eating, and addicted to self-hatred, and you don't even realize that you're paying the fare to get away from God because it's not so bad. And it's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the enemy. And what happens is when we don't even realize that we're doing what we're doing, when we don't realize every time we get in the mirror and God says you're beautiful and you go, but God... When that little voice says, you're not taking care of your temple, and you go, but God. And that little voice of the Holy Spirit says, you're gossiping, and you're like, oh, but God, we're just praying. You don't realize what's about to happen to you, but it happens every single time. It's so unoriginal. The roadmap looks the same every single time as it did for Jonah. God said, Jonah, I want you to do something different. Jonah said, but God, he paid the fare to go away from God. And then here's what happened. Watch the spiral of what happens. And tell me, in any of your lives, you can't relate to this. Because you're going to relate to this story we're about to unpack. Watch this. So Jonah pays the fare, gets in the boat, says, but God, goes away. And here's verse 4. You ready? Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. 
such a violent storm rose that the ship threatened to break up. Here's the first stage that happens in isolation. The power of the Holy Spirit rages war against your soul and says, don't go. This is always the first step. We go, but God, we pay the, we, we pay the fare to get away, and God is such a good, good father that he rages war and says, don't think that, don't say that, don't eat that, don't do that, stop doing that. And the Holy Spirit spins such a violent storm that we feel it and we feel like we're going to shake up. You know you've been there. I'm not beautiful. And then the Spirit says, yes, you are. And you're like, no, I'm not. I hate myself. I'm not successful. I'm not valuable. I'm not important. It's not that bad. It's their fault. The anger, the hatred, and the Holy Spirit's raging war against your soul saying, no, 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 turn the ship around. God always starts right there when we start to isolate ourselves because he's a dad. He loves us so much. But most of us, let's be honest, we can handle that. We're like, I know, God, I know, I know, I know. Let's carry on. And then the second step comes. The captain went down to him and said, how can you sleep, verse 6? Get up and call on your God. May he take notice on us and we will not perish. And here is always the second stage of this isolation. After the Holy Spirit rages war against our soul and says to come back and we don't, here's what always happens. We no longer feel permission to talk to God. Why don't you pray about it? And deep down in your heart, you're like, I can't. I can't talk to God. I've sinned against God. I haven't honored God. There's no way I can talk to God. Now, we don't tell people we feel this way, right? Because that would be weird. We wouldn't look very Christ-centered. But the truth of the matter is we don't. When we're living in sin, when we're living in shame, we do not pray for, to God to stop the storm. We feel so unworthy, we feel so caught in our, uh, in, our, in our issue that the last thing we feel confident doing is saying, God help. This is, a, this is such a slick move of the enemy. Do you ever do this? Do you ever feel like you know you're about to sin, fill in the blank, whatever sin it is, and then you do the sin, and then, and then you go, I should pray to God, and you hear that little voice that says, you, don't, you can't talk to him. This is what kills me. The same voice... The gotcha in the mess is the same voice telling you you can't pray to God. Right? It always is. The enemy's like, you're going to do that. You've got to do that. And you're like, yeah, can you believe that person? They're such a moron. La, 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 la. Whatever you do. And then you're like, man, that wasn't right. God, oh, God I really can't even talk to you right now. I'm so embarrassed myself. This, this is the second stage. It's just another step of isolation. Jonah's down there sleeping, and the captain comes out and goes, why don't you talk to God? Why don't you ask him to bail us out? And the truth of the matter is because now there's such a gap. Jonah feels like there's such a gap between him and God that he can no longer humble himself and go back to God. This is the way isolation works. First step is God rages and says, don't go. The second step is we no longer feel like we can talk to the God that is raging for us. Third step, verse 12. Pick me up. And throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will be calm. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon us. Here's the third stage. Complete isolation. 
There's no hope. There's no hope for me anymore. It went from pushing God away to no longer talking to God to now feeling hopeless. This is just my lot in life. I'm just destined to be this way. I'm just destined to feel this way. There's no hope for me. Well, all Jonah had to do was say, turn the boat around. All Jonah had to do was say, we got to change course. Let's just change course. No, no, no. You know what's easier than changing course? Self-pity and throwing in the towel. There's no hope for me. You're right. When you isolate yourself, when you remove yourself from the anointing power of God and the anointing power of the body, there is no hope for you. You're right. You are a sinner. You are fractured. We are fractured. Please don't mishear me. I'm the chief. That's where we are. But this is the process. This is the psychological, spiritual process that's happening. God says, I want you to do something different. We go, but God. And then we pay the fare to get away from God. And God rages against our soul and says, come back. And then we feel like we can't talk to God. And then we're in self-pity, isolation. It's all over. I'm done. And in the, the last stage, verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. It always ends with this rock bottom, powerless, ultimate isolation. All roads to isolation lead to the same spot. I put in here, there's never a rooftop view in the house of isolation. You will never rise to the top alone. I don't care what it is. But here's the part that I love about this story. It's not that I can relate to it because I look at that and go, gosh, that is a roadmap of many of my moments of life. Can you relate to any of that? I mean, is that familiar at all where God says, I want you to do something different? You're like, but God, I think I can figure that out. God, just give me a minute. God, I can do this. And then we start to get in there and, 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 and we pay the fare to get away from God. And then God starts whispering harder and harder and harder. Come back, come back, come back. And we're like, God. And then all of a sudden we're getting a little bit far down. I can't talk to God anymore. Uh, uh, you know, uh, self-pity, sorrow, it's all over. And then finally rock bottom. You know what's amazing about God? Do you know why when Drew sings a song like Good, Good Father and you know exactly what we need? Do you know why I'm like, uh, God. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The more in touch you get with your humanity, the less you're scared of how jacked up you are. Come on. The less that that scares you, the more healthy you're going to be. Some of us are so scared of how jacked up we are. It's like we never outgrew that there's really no monster under the bed. No, it's funny, right? Like you think about it and you're like, just look under there. And you're like, I won't do it. I know it's under there. I won't do it. Dude, there's not a, just look at yourself. It's not that bad. Like you're a mess. It's fine. No, as long as I don't deal with me, I'll never have to deal with me. And then we're just, we're just so messed up. I was, I drove up here last night because I didn't want to get up early and I flicked on the, uh, uh, what what game was that towards the end of the night? It doesn't matter. But um, anyway, watch one of the football games and the BMW for Orange County thing pulled up. You live in Orange County. The city of luxury. This is what the thing said. You deserve it. You deserve this BMW. That's what it said. And I was like, this, this little Orange County thing is so scary. 
I'd never want to live here. Like in San Diego, they're like, grab your surfboard and your Volkswagen, live free. Up here, it's like, you deserve to be wealthy and rich and Botox and everything else. And I'm like, golly. Get back to the game. I'm not trying to hate, I'm just saying. But you know what happens when you live in that spot? You feel like you can never really just look at yourself and go, I, I don't deserve that. I can't afford that. I'm not in that space. What I really need to do is stop all this and go love my family and go cook at home once in a while and just be a human being that's not seeking the next thing. That's what I really need to do. What I really need to do is start dealing with me and fix me. But here's what I love about God. Do you know what I love about God? Now the Lord provided rock bottom. Do you see that? Did you see that what it says? It says, now the Lord provided the huge fish. The Lord provided rock bottom. You never think about, he hit rock bottom, God provided it. (laughs) You never think about that, do you? You think, well, he got what was coming to him. Yeah, but the Lord provided rock bottom to swallow him up. Because he's a good, good father. And he's just never done. He's never done with our dysfunction. Thank God. Do you know why we have such a hard time connecting with God? Is because we are so quickly done with other people's dysfunction. Do you know what I mean? You're like, well... Fool me once, you know. You know, but do that again, you know, whatever. Remember that bush line? Do you ever, do you ever remember that? Fool me once, well, you can't fool me again, you know, whatever. Like, you know, I'm not, you can't get me twice. God's like, I will always, I will always provide. And if, even when I rage war against you and you say no, even when you stop praying to me, even when you go into self-pity and sorrow, and finally you get to the very bottom of your chain, I will swallow you up. I will swallow you up. I will swallow your self-hatred. I will swallow your addiction. I will swallow your fear. I will swallow your pain. I will be the final thing you taste because I'm your dad. I read this story, and I'm, I'm a bit cynical. Any cynical people in the room? I'm super, my, my friends, business partners, wife, they're always, you're so cynical. I'm like, yeah, people are bad. I just think people are bad. Anybody? And these people are like, everybody's good. No, they're bad people. All right? We are sinners and we are bad. We need Jesus. But I read this and I'm like, okay, God. How does this work? Listen to this verse in Isaiah 42, 16. I've never read this verse. You ever read those, you never read them? Like my dad's probably read the Bible through like 97 times. I never have. You know, pastors always get up there like, you know, I read my verse to get through the Bible. I don't. Um, but this verse, I've never read. I'm like, this is a good verse. Isaiah 42, 16. I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. 
I will turn the darkness into light before them. I will make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. God says, I will find you in your place of complete isolation and I will lead you out in a way that you are not familiar with, that you don't even know. God's like, I got paths and I've got ways and I've got tactics and I've got things you don't even know about. I've got so many secret doors, hidden paths, little tunnel ways, secret stuff. You don't even know all the stuff I got. Your finite little pebble mind couldn't figure it out. So here's what I do. I will lead the blind by places you don't even know because I will never forsake you. And I read this and I was like, God, how do I get there? Don't you want to know? Don't you just just want a story that you can just say only God? Don't you just want your whole life? I mean, don't you want to get to the end of your life? And then at least I do. If, if I get to the end of my life, they're like, you know what? You were smart. You took risks. You got up and you worked hard. Your, the outcome of your life is equal to the input that you put in. I'll be super bummed. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm at my, behind my desk every day at 6 a.m. I work really hard. I take a lot of risks. I've done very well. And if at the end of my life it it reflects that, I'm going to be bummed. I want it to be like you worked really hard no matter how hard you worked, no matter what you did. There's no way that that story measures up. That's what I'm looking for. I want secret, unfamiliar paths. I want darkness into light. I want rough places smooth. I want a God that walks with me. I don't want the norm. I want to live up here. So I'm like, God, how do I do that? I'm not content with the, you know, the white picket fence and the, and the 401k and the normal life. And congratulations, here's your golden watch. God, I want a used story. Not that any of those things are bad. I was just using it metaphorically. So I'm going to read something. I'm not a very good reader necessarily, but Jonah 2. I'm going to read you Jonah 2. Um, yeah, we got some time still. We're doing good. Are we having fun today? Isn't it good just to get into God's word and just be human? I love that. Isn't it nice to not have, like, you know, dad preaches, you're like, wow, it really made me think. I don't make you think at all, but you're like, dang, emotionally, we're going to have to, you know, go watch a Hallmark show when we get home. All right. (laughs) Jonah 2. Then Jonah prayed. Now, Now, listen, what do you do when you're at rock bottom? Okay, here, here it is. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of hell. Anybody ever felt like you were there? Anybody ever felt like the way you view yourself, the way you think, the situation that you're in? Does it ever just feel like hell? You ever use that metaphor? It was hell. Out of the belly of hell, I cried out to you, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. Oh, whose waves? Don't you love that? Doesn't it feel like everything around you? Those, you know that's just God. I, lo- I love how everything's God. Oh, the waves, they're God. God's got them. There's nothing that God doesn't have. 
all, all your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. But what happens? Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head and the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed up over me, yet you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay, listen to this, those who pay regard to vain idols, watch this, forsake their hope of fed, uh, steadfast love. When I paid the price for isolation, when I paid regard to vain idols, forsake the hope of steadfast love. But, now here's the, but God, I'm back. I'm back. Everybody say, I'm back. Okay. This is where God wants you to be. Like four of you said that. Congratulations for being back. Everybody say, I'm back. You got to get back. Look what it says. Uh, he says, but I with the voice of what? Say that word. Listen, Kim, my wife and I are praying. Uh, I'll just tell you, we're praying about getting this house. And we're in this situation where we just, we've started a lot of new ventures. And we have the, the income to do it, but we don't have the history to do it. And we have no business getting a house. All right, we just, you ever been there? And we're like, oh, man, like, we've been doing so good. But, you know, ever since 2007 and everybody decided to, you know, do what we did. And, the, you know, the country's like, let's not do that again. So let's make actually people prove it. <laughs> All right, so there we go. And, and, and Kim and I are just, we've been praying and we're like, God, we really want this house. And, I, and you know, you, you guys know this, right? Is there, you ever had something you just really wanted and, you know, we're already like, you know, I'm, you know how it is. You start imagining, we're, we could cook here and our kids could ride here. And, oh, you know how it is. I was driving down the road and I was feeling the tension. And God said, Josh, what are you thankful for? Right now, what are you thankful for? And I just started Spitting stuff, God, I'm thinking, da, 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 da. And I was like, you know, house or no house, I'm in a pretty good spot. I'm in a really good spot. But with a voice of thanksgiving, I'll sacrifice to you what I vowed I'll pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then what happened? The Lord spoke to rock bottom. Mm. The Lord spoke to rock bottom and spit you right out of it. Don't you understand your entire story is spiritual? Don't you understand your entire story has nothing to do with the physical? It's just this metaphorical thing that you live in for a period of time. It's so funny. We think that we, we actually live in a life in which the physical is higher than the spiritual. Because we can touch it, feel it, taste it, notice it, you know, you know, and et cetera. But really it's just this, this housed case, case that we live in as God orchestrates our life, but for a moment. God spit them right out of rock bottom. But do you see the way that Jonah behaved? It says he called out to God. It says he refocused his eyes, not on himself, but the holy temple of God. It says that, that God brought him out. Everybody say, I can't fix me. You can't fix you. You just can't. 
Like, this, is the, this is the irony of us. Ready? The same, pardon my language, if this bothers you, you're, you know, you sh- it shouldn't. So, uh, the same stupid person that got you into this mess is not the same stupid person that's going to get you out of it. Hello? You were so dumb that you got in this situation. You actually think you're smart enough to get you out of it? Like, it just defies logic. I wasn't smart enough, so I got in this situation, but I'm so brilliant that I'm going to get myself out of it. That doesn't even make sense. Right? You're, really? Come on. You can't fix you. And I love the disposition of Jonah because he realized, I can't fix this. I said, but God, I isolated myself. I tried to figure out things on my own, ultimately limiting this place. And finally, I just got to cry out to God. God, I need help. God, I need you to send somebody, something, something. I can't fix me. I'm telling you, you can get healthy if you can get over your God complex. It's the most, it's the most simple thing. Get over the God complex and you will thrive. Because you'll actually be submitted to God and he will be God. But he will not compete with your complex. Jonah had a God complex. He thought he could dictate his life. And you know what's funny? You know what's funny? When you say things like, I'm not valuable, I'm not beautiful, all those things that we don't always think are so bad, that's a God complex, just so you know. That means you are saying what you are. Anytime you speak for you, that's playing God. Or if you think I'm amazing, I'm smarter, nobody's as smart as me, et cetera, et cetera. These are all just God complexes. Jonah finally said, God, I need you. You brought me out. I need your help. And then I love this. Thanksgiving always brings healing. Oh, gosh, guys. Thanksgiving always brings healing. I love it. I'm just going to read again. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love, but I with a voice of thanksgiving sacrifice to you. Okay, let's finish with this thought. Ready? Jonah 3, 1 through 3. I love this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What does it say? Don't you just love that? How many, how many of y'all think that God said, hey, Jonah, I, I want you to go to Nineveh. How many of you think he said, but God... I think he's like, show me the way home, mama. I'm not going back there. Don't you love this about God? It says the voice of God. Listen, Jonah was in complete rock bottom. He could not have gotten further away from God. Then the voice of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against the message that I tell you. So, right on cue, Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, you know what I think? I think a million times out of a million, God would prefer this story to never be a part of our story. He's a good, good father. God has no desire for you and I to go through pain. Zero. I don't care what theology you were raised in. 
I remember going, well, don't tell God you won't go to China. He'll send you there. That is garbage. As if God said over there would be like, flex on me. I dare any of you to flex on me. I will ruin your life and make you bend to my will. As if God is that small. As if God is as small as you and I are. It's just, oh man, I was raised with that stuff. Wear your hat to church, he'll strike you in the head with lightning. What? <laughs> this is crazy. You know what God is? He's the most beautiful, wonderful, patient dad. That's who he is. He's a good, good father that knows exactly what we need, when we need it. And you know what he really, really, really wants? For you and I to be moldable and vulnerable and fearfully, wonderfully made. He wants us to stop pretending and stop trying to do everything on our own and stop trying to figure everything out and stop trying to masquerade and charade around like something we're not. He really wants us to come like little tiny boys that goes, Dad, help me. Like I'm already experiencing my kids outgrowing me. Dad, I don't need you to help me anymore. And I'm like, I know, but I want to. I'll carry you. I'll carry your crap. I'll do whatever you want. Just don't outgrow me carrying you. I'm going to ask the band to come, for, come up with us. Would you stand with, with us? And uh, you know what? We're saying, we're, this is so good. God is so good. I'm so glad that he chose to minister to me today. Because we're, we're doing good, good father again, right, John? Isn't that great? I didn't even plan that. I'm sitting here bawling. And I looked at him like, we're finishing with it. So let's welcome up Glee. <laughs> Drew, I don't even know if you were here, man. But what? You just blessed the, 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 just the man. Bless me so hard. What a gift that you got, man. What a gift. Doesn't this guy look like Glee? Somebody out of Glee? Yeah, they're attractive young men on that show. Hey, can I ask you to do one thing today? And, and this, might be, this might be way, way too much for some of you, but I just want to ask. Um, would you just be vulnerable for a half a freaking minute? Just for half a minute, would you stop being tough and all Southern California and got it all together and we'll figure it out. Would you just, just for one song, would you for one song be a little boy and a little girl? Just one song. Would you just let God be dad for one song? Would you just feel what it feels like to not have it all together? Would you just, would you just say to, to God right now, God, this is the thing for me that I, I feel I've said, but God too, and I feel overwhelmed about, and I'm scared about. Just one song. Don't be strong. Don't be able. Don't have it all the answers. Just one song. And would you just let this, would you just let God be your dad for one song? Would you let him talk to you? Would you let him love on you? Hey, and if, if, you, get a, if you get emotional, it's all right. God would love that. And if in your heart, maybe you're like, well, I'm just not wired weird like you, dude. No problem. Just, just be honest in your heart. God will mean just as much to God. He just wants you to not have it all together for like four seconds and feel what it feels like to be held and then just try to tell me you don't want to live that way because you never outgrow. You never outgrow being held by your dad. It's just a beautiful thing. So let's, let's sing together.